This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real-life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates to debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, scams, and multi-level marketing. Hey, Hunbots and Hunbros. Uh, how are ya? <laughs> I'm having a really great week. And um, I wanted to share some of it with you before we get into this episode because it, it kind of has a little bit of a, a connection to, to the MLM world a little bit. Anyway, so I've been hiking a lot. I know I told you guys. And I've been taking Jaja. And if you follow me on Instagram, I'm sure you've seen, we have been going all around different trails here in San Diego because I am training to do like an overnight hike and I just want to be as prepared as possible because it's it's going to be a lot. And so I started in January doing like meadows and grasslands and sort of like easy to moderate, a little bit of rocky terrain, not too much climbing, not too much elevation, but doing rivers and crossing rivers and walking through water and uh, just doing all kinds of really cool things. And I've been taking Jaja with me because she's an Afghan hound. She is really good. She's got great eyes. She's a sight hound. She has great eyes. She's really fast. And um, her breed can actually take down a snow leopard. So um, I feel a little more confident having an animal that's powerful like that if we ever got into sort of a, a kerfuffle with another animal. So um, <laughs> and then, of course, Abby and I were on the trail um, a couple weeks ago, and we actually came across two coyotes. They crossed our path. They were beautiful, and they were not interested in us at all, but it was really cool to see. But again, it made me feel a little more confident having Jaja. So this past week, we got a lot of rain. So I took her down to the Mission Dam here in San Diego. Uh, it's a historical, a California historical site, and it's really cool. It was built by Native American laborers and Franciscan missionaries while they were building the missions to divert water to the missions through six miles of aqueducts. But it only lasted, I think, like 20 years until the flooding of the San Diego River sort of destroyed the dam beyond repair. And at that point, the secularization of the mission sort of wasn't a thing and they didn't really need to, to feed the farms anymore. And it just sort of went to the wayside and it became a historical landmark. And so it's really cool. You can actually walk all the way out. It was built in the 1800s. So it's sort of a testament to what their building materials were like back then. Jaja and I walked all the way out to the edge where where the uh, the break that never was repaired 
happened. It's really cool. There's some videos on my Instagram if you're interested. And then I uh, remembered again, being in San Diego, taking advantage of winter, which is my favorite season here in San Diego, is we also got snow. And so uh, I was really lucky. I didn't have to put chains on my car, but we went up to about 6,000 feet, the summit up in Mount Laguna, which is just this beautiful mountain out here in the Cleveland National Forest. It actually overlooks the PCT and it's it's just a really great drive. And I wanted to take a scenic drive and I wanted to see if I could even find snow. And I found snow and I took Jaja with me and I, she wore a little jacket. I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. I, I didn't know if she was going to like the snow or not like the snow. But again, like her breed is a mountain dog, snow leopards, remember? So um, <laughs> she just, she loved it. <laughs> she absolutely, like beyond my wildest imagination, loved it. And we actually got up into um, a little area that didn't have a lot of activity. And so it was very, there was a lot of powder still. And she was just diving into these snowbanks and rolling around. I have just never seen her be so into something. So it was really, really fun. Um, I'm hoping to get a couple more snow trips up to the mountains before winter in San Diego is over. February tends to be our coldest month. So I'm excited about that. And um, I'm going to be doing more peaks and more hiking. And, uh, you know, because I'm training for this super long hike, which brings me to the MLM portion of our program. So I don't know if anybody has been following MLM news, but um, a, a toppity tippity pyramid uh, topper person, uh, her name is Jessie Lee Ward, or better known as Boss Lee. Uh, she is out there. We've talked about her on this show before. She's in a couple different episodes. So it's not new information about this sort of behavior, but she ended up doing a retreat for, I think, I don't know, a handful of her team members, I think. I don't know a ton about this. Uh, I didn't do the research, but there are a ton, a ton of stuff out there. If you're really, really interested, you can find it on YouTube. Lots of creators right now are, are talking about this from a lot of different angles and providing a lot of information. So please go watch them. Just search YouTube, Jesse Lee hiking and you will find it. Uh, but essentially what happened is she took this group of people on a hike and she told them that it was only going to be a two hour hike and it was not going to be that big of a deal. And um, it ended up being like a 15 hour hike that she lied about the whole time. And she had enough water. She had enough supplies, but everybody else did not. There was somebody who needed um, her diabetes medication and, you know, she was not informed that it would not only be two hours. And it's just really upsetting. Um, and I had Julie Anderson come on the Patreon and talk about this uh, because she has done 18 Ironman triathlons. And because I'm in the middle of training for hiking too, I wanted her and I to talk about sort of like the perspective of what it really takes to hike and the workouts and the training that is involved in hiking. It's not just going to the gym and cutting carbs. In fact, it's not either of those things. Um, and so unfortunately, very bad advice from somebody who allegedly, in my opinion, doesn't know what they're talking about and put a lot of people in danger. And again, I don't really know a ton of what happened. I just I have not had the time to research it. And there are so many other people that are. 
I had that talk with Julie, if you want to watch on the Patreon, it's about the preparedness of hiking and what is expected of you for even a two hour hike and how prepared you should be to go into the complete wilderness for two hours, let alone 15. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just really bad culty behavior. And I just I'm not into it at all. And it's just it's starting to get not starting, it's been for a while, but it's starting to get even more concerning and dangerous. And um, just the, it's just not okay. It's just not okay. And I, and I'm, I'm so thankful to the creators who are who are making content on this and bringing it to light on social media so that people can follow along and get up to date information because people need to see they don't really know what they're signing up for. People join MLMs and they don't know what they're signing up for. And I hate to have to tell horror stories to get the point across, but (laughs) you have to tell horror stories to get the point across nowadays. Um, Other than that, I want to say thank you to our new Patreon members. Thank you to Allison R. and Stacey Urban. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome, and I really appreciate it. For those of you that want to join the Patreon and sort of chime in on these Wednesday chats and the bonus stuff, uh, getting episodes ad-free and early, you can join the Patreon. Uh, we have tiers starting at $5. And if you would like to support the show, but you cannot do so monetarily, you can like, share, subscribe, download, rate, five stars, review, the whole shebang. Send it to a friend. Tell them to send it to a friend. Get the whole world on board. Uh, other than that, I just want to say thank you to you guys for being such great listeners and emailing me and... Um, The conversations we've been having lately, I've been doing recording sessions and meeting some of you has just been really great. We've been having really fantastic conversations. I cannot wait to edit them and turn them into episodes so everybody can hear what we've been talking about. But this episode is with my friend Tracy Conan. You might recognize that name if you're from Mary Kay. We are going to talk about financial literacy, a little bit about Mary Kay, uh, and we're going to talk about financial fraud and If you are in a position where you're thinking about divorce or you're in the middle of a divorce or maybe you just went through one, this is the episode for you. Again, more financial literacy, keeping your money safe, knowing where your money's going. And Tracy is a forensic accountant, so she knows what's up. Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. I have been meaning to talk to this lovely woman for a while and we keep missing each other and... Here we are. It's so great to finally have you and to have you on the show. You guys may recognize this name, especially if you were in Mary Kay and have gotten out. Please welcome to the show, my friend, Tracy Cohen. How are you? I'm awesome. It is about time that we get together. I know, right? <laughs> uh, it is really great to talk to you. You, We're going to talk a little bit about MLM, but the main reason you're here is because I'm trying to have a focus this year in 2023 as uh, financial literacy and helping people understand what that is. Because in MLM, like we didn't get any of that, right? Like the the financial advice that we got was like open five bank accounts and just move money around. Like it was not good advice. And so I'm making that a focus this year to not only help just people, but also women, because I think a lot of times like we get left in the dust in the financial world. I mean, we couldn't even have business loans and credit cards without husband signatures, like not even 30 years ago. So here we are learning this stuff. And it is great to have you here. You have a a guide out. It's not a book. It is a guide. It is the divorce money guide. And we are going to talk about that as well to help women out there, or really anybody 
who's in divorce and uh, needs some help with that kind of stuff. Even if you're not in divorce, I mean, it, it is really all about taking control of your money, understanding your money, where it is, what it's been spent on, all of those kinds of things. And so, yeah, it says divorce money guy, but you don't have to be getting divorced to uh, become on top of your money. Well, here's another thing. Like, I feel like, especially when you're leaving high demand groups, whether they're religious, whether they're an MLM, whatever, like a lot of times people end up, quote unquote, waking up and realizing there are other aspects in their life that aren't great for them either. And and a lot of divorces do happen when people are leaving these sort of things. So I think this is an important topic to talk about if you are getting divorced. And again, like you said, even if you aren't, I think it's you should know what your money is and how to make it work for you. Well, and the money issue with MLM makes this a great topic for you because you're right. The money issues in MLM are huge. Number one, nearly everyone loses money in MLM. Many people, significant money. But number two, they encourage people to turn a blind eye to finances when you're in MLM. They don't want you looking at whether you're making a profit or not, because if they did that, everyone would get out much sooner. And for goodness sakes, I don't know if you recall, Roberta, but uh, I want to say it was maybe six or seven years ago, 2020 did an episode on Mary Kay. And I was there for all of it. I worked with the producers. I spent hours behind the scenes working with them. I filmed with them for an entire day in New York City and with the women who actually ended up on the show. I ended up on the cutting room floor after all of that. I barely even got mentioned, but that's neither here nor there. During this one hour episode, they did a, sorry, not one hour episode. It was going to be a whole hour. They shaved it back, but they had a segment that was very pro Mary Kay. This always happens. If Mary Kay gets wind of a piece being done on them that is negative, they insert themselves. I know that legal plays hardball. And so they did this segment on the positive side. They had three women who are very high in the organization, very high in the pyramid, talking about how fabulous Mary Kay is and we make all the money, but here's the best part is the host said to them, how much did you make last year? And they all said, oh gosh, golly, we don't know. We'd have to look. All we know is it's a lot. Oh my God, God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How was that even a sufficient answer for 2020? I mean, she pushed, of course she pushed and, and they just said, oh, oh, I I really have to look. I mean, you know, we just, we get these big checks every month and it's just a lot. Of course, I'm making fun of them in what I'm saying. This is not an exact quote, but that was the essence of what they were saying. Right. It's like giggle, giggle, gee willikers. I don't know. Golly, you sure are a fancy person. I'll have to look in my checkbook. (laughs) But the truth is, if you are at the top of the pyramid and you are someone that we should emulate in this alleged business, and you can't even tell me what you made last year, Houston, we have a problem. Now I could respect you saying, I don't care to disclose exact numbers, but it was, you know, strong six figures, something like that. And, and for, for you to give an answer that shows me that you know what the number is, that could be very, very important. But to do the G Willikers, golly, I don't know, is really problematic. Right. And it's like, if you're going to be on 2020, you would think that you as the person that's going to be raving would have done a little bit more homework and have been a little bit more prepared with those sort of numbers. And again, it just goes to show that the numbers are not what we really want to be saying, because it proves that it's not what it is. 
Right. These women were handpicked by Mary Kay to be the representatives. And I am quite sure that they had a couple days worth of media training at Mary Kay corporate before they were allowed to go on this. And they were told you're going to be asked how much you make. You absolutely will not say any sort of numbers because they know what the criticisms are and things like that. Yeah. So for anybody that's listening, uh, and, and recognizes your name and everything. Tracy is the genius and amazing woman behind pinktruth.com. Uh, will you tell us the little bit of the, like how that happened before we get into everything else? Absolutely. July 4th of 2006, I started the site and I started it as Mary Kay Sucks. I had been involved in anti-MLM stuff for probably about five years at that point. And there were different websites that came and went that talked about the evils of MLM. And because I had been in Mary Kay back in 1999 and 2000 and very heavily involved at that time, Mary Kay was my particular interest. So I got more ingrained in talking with people who had specific experience with Mary Kay. And in 2006, July 4th, I love it because it's Independence Day, right? It just feels like freedom from MLM is forefront there. Um, I started this site mostly as a joke, mostly as something fun. And we started out with Mary Kay has their seminar late summer every year, and they wear atrocious ball gowns and things like that. And so we started off making fun of dresses and we got huge traffic to the site really, really, really fast. And all of a sudden I felt a tremendous amount of responsibility. And I said, Every anti-Mary Kay site that has been in existence eventually goes away when someone gets sick of it or they get doxxed or they get threatened by corporate. What if I could make a site that never went away? At the same time, my attorney uh, found out that I had Mary Kay sucks and said, listen, I need you to change the name of that. Not because you can't say Mary Kay, but because it's going to create problems for you that you don't need. Mary Kay is going to say it's our trademark and you shouldn't use it. And even though you're really allowed to use it, it's going to tie you up some money and some time trying to sort that out. So just change the name. So I changed the name to Pink Truth. And so we have been around since 2006. One of my proudest moments was very early on when the very top executives at Mary Kay sent a letter to the national sales directors who are the pyramid toppers. They are the revered, all hail the NSDs, sent them a letter saying, we understand there is a site. Don't tell your consultants about it because they're just going to get curious and they're going to go look and we don't want them looking. And, you know, Mary Kay always said when there's lemon, someone's going to make lemonade or something, something like that. You know, there's always a critic. And what we found works best is to just ignore them because all of these sites eventually go away. Yeah, that's all I needed to hear. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. 
They send you regular personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet. And they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, 2006, that that predates most of the of the people that right now, even in anti-MLM, they're speaking out. So I mean, Tracy is one of the OGs, 100%. And I'm just amazing. Let's talk about your money guide. You are absolutely equipped to talk about this. By trade, you are a forensic accountant. So anybody who's like, what does this lady know? Go find another seat. (laughs) This lady knows everything she needs to know. Let's talk about this. What was your inspiration for even wanting to write this guide in the first place? All right. I'm a forensic accountant, which means I find money. I do fraud investigations. And about a third of my practice is involved with divorce. It is generally for people who are wealthier uh, because forensic accounting is expensive, because the money gets more complicated for them. So they have a need for the services. But I was getting enough requests from people who were everyday people who were in the process of divorce saying, I need some help sorting out the money. I don't know what my spouse has been doing. I don't know if there's money that's been hidden or that has been spent on bad things like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Who knows? That's where I came up with the idea for the divorce money guide. I was like, hey, if I could make a tool to help people sort of do it yourself on the forensic accounting side, I could help way more people than I can help on a one-on-one basis. I'm just one little person. But this guide, I thought, what if I could help a thousand people a year have better financial outcomes in their divorces? That was my inspiration. That's incredible. My divorce, luckily, was very 50-50. We were very amicable about everything. We talked about everything. We are still friends. We don't hate each other or anything like that. I'm sure we annoy each other. That's why we're not married anymore. But um, it was we didn't need that service. And I'm so thankful that we didn't. But I have heard so many stories from people either on this podcast telling me about what happened or emails or just friends who have had horror stories about getting a divorce. And that was kind of even the inspiration when when I got divorced was like, I don't want one of those. Like, how can we not have that? So let's give some advice to somebody who maybe is in one of those horror story 
divorces right now, where do they even start and begin? And I know a lot of this is in your guide, so don't give everything away, but oh no, a little free. don't you know that's my theory? Give it away for free. I can always make oh, then more give content. It away. Okay, so if you are in the throes of divorce, you've got the financial drama. Maybe someone said to you, you need a forensic accountant, or someone said, you need to really dig into those numbers and find out what your husband or wife has been spending the money on. I said, where, where would I want to begin if that was me? And the first place I would want to begin is understanding what's going to happen in the financial piece of the divorce. So we have 10 steps in the divorce money guide. You don't have to do all 10 of them. You don't even have to do them in order. But where I start with them is um, just talking about, okay, you're thinking about divorce, you're getting divorced. Here are some things you need to do immediately to protect yourself uh, and protect your money. Things like run a credit report on yourself to find out what debts have your name attached to them. Things like get a new email address that your spouse doesn't know about and couldn't possibly have access to. Start gathering financial documents so that you're securing them and they're safe and you can't lose access. Okay, so that's where we start. But then I get into what is this financial piece of your divorce and what's going to happen? What are the legal terms that you're going to hear? So that when, when your attorney says, you know, oh, there's interrogatories that you're like, what the hell are interrogatories? Never heard of such a thing, right? I want to give you a foundation of knowledge there. Then we talk about red flags of financial fraud in your marriage so that you can understand, should I be worried? Should I not be worried? And then I roll into, hey, what financial documents do you need? Well, like the financial fraud aspect, obviously I'm very fascinated in the entire financial fraud aspect. What are some like financial fraud red flags that someone might see? Laundry list of them, laundry list. But one of the most common ones that people see when they are headed towards divorce potentially is a change in behavior in your spouse, a really significant change. Maybe they've started to become more secretive about their whereabouts. Maybe they are withholding financial information from you. Maybe like, for example, you used to be able to sign into online banking and now the password has been changed and your spouse won't give it to you. Maybe they've changed their spending habits. You had agreements about how much we would each be able to spend without checking with each other, right? People usually have limits. Like if it's more than X dollars, let's just have a conversation before anyone spends it. And if you find your spouse is violating it, whereas maybe they didn't before those types of changes in behavior, huge red flag. What about also like maybe like a big check coming in that's, you know, family money and a big chunk of that disappears from the bank account and is transferred into an account maybe that you don't have complete access to, or just disappears. And you're like, where'd that money go? And they're like, don't worry about it. Well, sure. But you know what, Roberta, one of the big problems is that many people aren't paying attention to their money. And so they don't even know that that full check didn't get deposited. They think they just assume that it did. And that's part right. of this information gathering that I'm like such a big proponent of. Right. So, so what do we do? We go into our bank accounts and we just start looking for weird stuff and on the statement. Oh goodness. Okay. So we're getting into one of the steps here and this is great. This is, I'm telling you, this is give it away for free. Right. So I'm, I'll walk you through how to get your bank statements, because if you haven't been involved in the, the finances, some people really don't know where to start. Like I say, go get your bank statements. And they're like, how? So we talk about how to get your bank statements and how to organize them. But then what do you do with them once you have them? So super high tech, print out a set of bank statements for the last year. Get some highlighters. You've got three highlighters. One is green. One is yellow. One is pink. The green highlighter is for paychecks being deposited to your account. Highlight every single paycheck. 
you know how many paychecks there should be. If your spouse is working, if you're working, people typically get 24 paychecks a year or 26, depending on how their job pays them. So go and highlight all the paychecks. And then when you're done, go back through those, that year's worth of bank statements and count up how many paychecks are there. Are there any missing? Number one. Number two, are they of the correct amount? Are any of them shorted? Like maybe by a thousand dollars here or there getting shaved off. Super easy, right? So that's one of the things I have you look for. That's the green highlighter. The yellow highlighter is just things that you need to ask questions about. Pink highlighter is for things that are bad. Like there was a hotel in another state and you know that your family did not go to vacation there, right? Or meals out at a place you thought your spouse would never go to or for dollar amounts that you never thought would happen. Or, you know, a large purchase at Best Buy and there there was no electronics or TV that came to our house. Or here's the cheesiest one. The purchases at Victoria's Secret that you never saw. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like a bill that you're paying that is not a bill that is a household bill, like someone else's phone bill or someone else's credit card bill or something like that kind of thing as well, obviously. I talk about looking for a second phone bill payment or a second credit card payment. And I explain it like this. You have a family credit card that you all use. Maybe it's Citibank. And so if you look at the bank statement and you see Citibank on there, no big deal. doesn't raise any red flags for you, right? But I say, take another color of highlighter. Let's take a blue highlighter. Let's highlight every time we see Citibank. For those 12 months of statements that you have in your hands, count up how many times Citibank was paid. What happens if you saw 17 payments to Citibank? Now, a lot of people would initially think, oh, well, maybe he made an extra payment here or there because we wanted to try to get paid down. Maybe, or maybe there is a second Citibank credit card that you never knew about. Wow. Yeah. That's that secret spending that people worry about. It happens. It's a normal thing that happens. But the red flag is like the suspicious and like shady things that that you're talking about here. Yeah, of course. One of the things that I realized when I was getting into creating the divorce money guide and getting ready to bring it to market was that people don't know if they should be worried or not about these red flags. So let's say you're suspicious of some stuff that you've seen your husband doing, saying whatever. If you go to him and say, I'm worried about what's going on with the money. What's what's happening? Are you, do you have secret spending? What's he going to say? He's going to say no, because he's not going to admit it. But he's also probably going to say like, you're paranoid. You're blowing this up to a bigger thing than it needs to be. And now you're going to doubt yourself, right? Right. Now we or, introduce the gaslighting into it. Correct. Or maybe you could be the complete opposite end of the spectrum. You see some of these red flags, but you tell yourself, no, my husband is honest. There's nothing to worry about. I'm just, I'm looking for something to nitpick. I'm wrong. I said, I want to be able to have people have an objective view of, are these red flags something to worry about or not? So I created an assessment for people to take 15 questions, less than five minutes of how is the money handled in your marriage? How are some of the money interactions between you and your spouse? And have you seen these types of things happening with the money in your marriage? You get done and it's my assessment of how likely is it that something shady is going on. Wow, that's great. I love that. I I feel like there's a lot of people that have anxiety that listen to this show, sort of goes with the territory. And when you're already thinking those sort of things, that a very quick and 15 questions is not that much Mm -mm. to take this assessment and go, okay. Or to be like, oh, okay, I my suspicions might, there might be something here. And I think even that little questionnaire would take a lot of anxiety off of people and just that fear of the unknown. That's the hope. That's certainly the hope. 
Yeah, I absolutely love that. So let's talk about like big joint things and sort of how to separate those like 401ks or savings accounts or I mean, houses or property or anything like that, like going going into divorce, like what is the best way to prepare for that kind of stuff? I think the best way to prepare is really to understand what you have. It's really, you, you know, every state has their laws, their rules about how things are to be split. Kind of the broad general way to think about stuff is splitting it 50-50, but there's a lot of nuances to that, especially if one person was a stay-at-home parent and has lost years of their career and, and can't ever recover those years and will never earn enough to save enough for retirement. There's all sorts of things that go into it. But if we start from a presumption of 50-50, that's a good starting point. And it's all about knowing what you have. So making sure you understand what investment accounts we have, what 401ks, what pensions, you know, the real estate, the cars, and then understanding, I always tell people to sit down with their attorney to understand what does our state law say about this? So it, for example, you've been a stay-at-home mom for the last 12 years. You might go to your attorney and say, I think I need more than half of that retirement account because I'll never be able to save the way he can. He's had his career. He's making all this money. It might be more fair for me to get 75% of that retirement account because he can make up the difference. And that's where there are people who are divorced financial strategists who will work with you to, to go through scenarios and lay out that case for why you should get more and what will happen with the money and do these projections. It's so fascinating. Wow. Yeah. That is actually really interesting and a really good point about having not necessarily 50-50. And again, going back to my divorce, it wasn't 100% 50-50, but it was it was like our version of 50-50. Like we had two vehicles that we were paying on, but one was worth more because it was newer or whatever. And it was literally like, you know what, just you take yours, I'll take mine 50-50 wash, like 50-50 car for car kind of thing. But it really wasn't 50-50. That is a, a really excellent point to think about in that negotiations and saying what you are willing to give and what you are willing to negotiate on, I think is also a really good thing to know going into this process, what you are willing to budge on and what you're willing to not budge on. Exactly. I also think it's important to have people on your side, on your divorce team, whether that, and whether your team is just your divorce attorney or whether it's more like one of these divorce coaches or a divorce financial strategist or something like that, but have people who can advocate for you. Because in so many cases, I see the moneyed spouse, the one who has the higher earnings and things like that saying, you're not getting my money. This is my retirement. This is my paycheck. Guess what? When you signed up for marriage, it no longer became mine unless you had a prenup. When you signed up for marriage, you signed up for ours. So let's make sure that your attorney is advocating for you and not letting your spouse scare you out of getting what is rightfully yours. Here's another question I have. Divorces are very expensive and they get exponentially more expensive when you have attorneys and lawyers and all of these different things. So for people who are maybe not financially able to have attorneys and lawyers and a team and strategists and forensic accountants, and, and there's a massive team to get everything they can. What is the best advice that you can give somebody who's like, Hey, I can't afford a lawyer. I'm going to try to do this on my own or with as little help as possible. Yeah, you absolutely can do a divorce on your own. There are websites out there. One of them that you have access to in California, hellodivorce.com. 
They have really inexpensive packages. They have a number of different packages that offer the forms you need all the way up to working with someone one-on-one to give you guidance about getting through the process and helping mediate things between you and your spouse. So there are services like that. So online kind of do-it-yourself divorce type of things, but there are people like where I live, there is a divorce attorney who offers traditional divorce services, but she also has a piece to her law practice, which is a do-it-yourself kind of thing. And you can come there and there's a couple of different packages, same kind of thing, complete do-it-yourself with a little bit of guidance from paralegal all the way up to a certain number of hours of coaching from the divorce attorney. I mean, it's doable. We did it without lawyers. It's doable. It's absolutely doable. It wasn't a nightmare. It's possible. In fact, the person that like finished our case was like, could you stay on? Because it was all COVID, right? Could you stay on and help the rest of the people today? Like this, it took like six minutes. It was very, very simple and easy. I know that I'm very privileged and and thankful that my divorce was like that because I've heard horror stories. I know when people have the high conflict spouses and the high conflict divorces, that's when it's really hard to do it yourself because they might not even be willing to participate in that process. Or if they are, they might be trying to completely steamroll you in it. And and that might be why they're agreeing to it. And so I certainly am very mindful that there are people that the do it yourself option isn't an option for them. Right. Yeah. And you think about those high conflict people. Absolutely. Like just dragging it out. I have some friends who have been in divorces for like five years going on, have already gotten engaged and like, and then it didn't work out, but like started other relationships while going through this divorce. And it's just been a complete and total nightmare. I don't even think they're officially divorced yet. Still. It can get ugly and drag on for years. Yeah. And you don't even have to be rich for it to do that, right? I think people who aren't familiar with the divorce world think, oh, those long divorces are for the people who have complicated scenarios. And it's not just for them. The complicated person is also a factor in those long drawn out cases. Yeah, absolutely. What kind of advice do you have if, if someone has a high conflict partner who is just not letting up? It's about getting the best people on your team who can help do it for you. I think that when you have that high conflict person, the less contact you can have with them personally, probably the better because it just has to be a business deal and the antagonism and all that kind of stuff that goes along with it can get reduced at least to some extent if it's the attorneys have to communicate. Now, of course, the risk you run is that your spouse is intentionally creating new issues and new issues to run up your attorney's fees, but it's tough. Yeah. That literally is what's happening. It's like a new story. Every time I'm like, for real. Wow. So yeah, that's also a lesson of uh, be very careful of who you decide to marry with or without a prenup and, and all of those things. So for people that are in the middle of divorces and are rebuilding their lives, 
having to go get new accounts, new things. What is the best advice for you? I remember doing that. It was actually really freeing and it was it felt good when I did it. It was, there was so much dread leading up to it. But once I did it, I was like, oh my gosh, I have a new bank account. I felt so excited. So what is some advice that you can give to people who are in that moment of starting over? What are the first steps and, and how can they do that? So it's not so anxiety ridden for them. Well, it's about continuing to monitor your credit and running credit reports on yourself, at least monthly to stay on top of what's happening to make sure that there isn't an old credit card hanging out there that has your name on it, that your ex starts using. And now all of a sudden you're legally responsible. I do say when you, when you're rebuilding that financial life to uh, have those celebrate those small victories, that getting of that new account that has only your name on it, that first deposit to it, you know, maybe it's, you, you want to try to create an emergency fund, but all you've got is 20 bucks a week to be able to put into it. And it seems like that'll never get you anywhere. No, you celebrate that 20 bucks that you didn't spend at the corner coffee shop and you put in the emergency fund instead and then have a spending plan. So I'm trying to stay away from the word budget because everyone hates the word budget, but how about a spending plan, right? You get to spend and really know where your money is going. That is, you know, one of the first steps to really being in control of it is at least knowing what you're spending. Now, do you have to change habits later? Yes. I mean, you know, to be better with money, you have to change some habits, but at least starting from a point of we know how much we're spending is a great spot to be in. Yeah. And then actually, this while you were talking about this emergency fund, it made me think about things that people had said to me when I was going through even thinking about getting a divorce and people kept saying, stash cash, stash money, hide money. You have to keep money. What is your advice on, on that advice? Is it like old school, old wives thing, or is it something that's valuable or is stashing $20 in a book every so often when you can you have a good idea? I think it's super important for each spouse to have money of their own. It especially is important if you are not earning a paycheck of your own, you need to have money of your own for emergencies, for if, God forbid, you do need to get divorced someday and you have to rent an apartment, get an attorney, and you need that money to come from somewhere. What I do not advocate is secret stashing of money. So I advocate having money of your own, but not necessarily keeping it a secret unless there is some sort of safety issue involved where you you then do need it to be secret. But yes, I do think it's very important to have money of your own regardless. And it's also important if even if you never get divorced and you're, you're going to stay married forever, but to have money that is yours and yours alone that you can choose how to spend, I think is very empowering. It has been so empowering this last, I guess, so like year or so where I have actually been a single woman who is in charge of all my own everything. And being able to look at my bank account because I am the only person spending that money and know that the money is is in there. And I was like, oh my gosh, look at that numbers. It is this really incredible, empowering feeling that I have not felt in a like 15 years, really. Wow. And it's just been this really incredible feeling. And so even I am learning more about my own financial status and the responsibility of being financially free and not having debt. And, and it's been really, really empowering. And it's just like my own personal thing. You know, I'm the only one that are celebrating these victories, but I am. And then sometimes I'll be like, I'm going to stop by and get myself something. I'm going to treat myself because I also realize that treating myself is, um, it's preemptive of me like binging on treating myself and just nice. ending up like spending $500 at Target because I have not treated myself. So that's where I, that's where I have to control. So I, I don't control myself like that anymore. If I want it, I get it. 
And, and I feel like I spend even less money because I've allowed myself that freedom. And you figured out what works for you. Yeah. And you're not ashamed of it. You, you've just decided this is what works for me. This is what my budget can handle. Oops, not budget spending plan. This is what my spending plan can handle. And it works. Absolutely. And I busted my ass so that I could get Taylor Swift tickets for my daughter and I, and that's what I did. And I'm, I'm not even bothered. That is a huge accomplishment. I am really proud of you. I think it was interesting that you wanted to ask about things um, to do as you are coming out of the divorce process, because I don't think that you knew that I recently released the post-divorce money guide. I didn't. Right. It felt like a setup though. I, I knew you didn't know about it, but it almost felt like a setup. So the divorce money guy comes out. It's fantastic. People love it. They're buying it. They're using it, creating great financial outcomes for them because they're knowing more about their money. But I was like, there are so many things that you really should do once you're divorced to protect yourself legally and financially, to make sure that your ex cannot meddle in your financial life. Like I talked about continuing to run credit reports on yourself like making sure there's not a credit card out there that still has your name on it, things like that. There are things like, did you remember to change the beneficiary on your retirement account at work so that if you pass away, your ex-spouse doesn't get that money? All of those things, 30 or 40 things that you really need to think about and remember to do when you're finished with the divorce. So I put together the post-divorce money guide to cover all those, again, 10 simple steps that just walk you through the various financial and legal areas of your life that you need to take a look at. Voila. And who is that guy good for? Like, I mean, obviously post-divorce, but how far past divorce, like even 10 years past divorce, are these really great tips for you to be adding into your daily life? I think it's really more so for people who are, are recently out of divorce. So if you are anywhere in the divorce process and you want to know what kind of stuff you have to do, once it's all finalized, it's great for that. Anywhere through, you know, maybe we've gotten divorced within the last year or two, you could also use it. Okay. That's awesome. Because like you talking about that, changing the beneficiary, all of those things, like you don't think about those little things because when you're setting all of that stuff up, you're in love, you're happy. You're like, oh, we're going to do this. Of course, you're the beneficiary. Oh, of course, you're the emergency contact. Of course, of course, of course, of course, of course. And it's just so easy and you integrate your life because this is your person and you never right. think that it will end. And it does end sometimes and that's okay, but you integrate everything into your life. And so when you're leaving that relationship, you don't realize all of the things that you need to untie that you tied previously, like beneficiaries, like bank accounts, like getting your names off of loans or credit cards that you are not associated with anymore. For sure. And so none of the stuff that we talk about in the post-divorce money guide is completely mind-blowing. It's all stuff that you're going to be like, oh yes, that's right. But collectively, there is such a laundry list of things that you need to think about that I think it's overwhelming. You've already been overwhelmed with this stupid divorce that you've been going through and all the demands on you to you know, get together bank statements and turn them over to your spouse and fill out this financial affidavit form and turn that over. There's just so much going on that I wanted to really have it all sort of in one neat, easy to use, go down the list, check it all off. I, I think it's important. I went through it alone and I figured it out, but it would have been a lot easier had I had this guide and someone like you sort of just on my shoulder, helping me out through all of the steps. 
So I think this, if you are in that space, if you are thinking about this, it is a, it is such a difficult decision to make. It is such a personal decision to make. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over a long time. But if you are in that space where you're even thinking like, is this something getting this guide, taking the assessment and sort of figuring things out, seeing if maybe there are some red flags that you're not seeing that would push you over the edge one way or the other to make that decision that's best for you. Because at the end of the day, it's your life. And it's your money and your decision and your emotions and your everything. And if that's not the person for you or that's not the situation for you, then you need to have the most information and education to make the best decision for you in that moment. And so I thank you so much for even thinking to make a guide like this. And I love that you're, you know, an anti-MLM like OG. So you understand where people are coming from, coming out of these situations, and you're not taking advantage of people. You're helping, you're giving this information away for free in, in podcasts that you've talked about. And then you also have this great guide that you can purchase if what you want to do is really follow this. So talk to how much is this guide? Where can we find it? How do we get it? Where is it? All right. So here's the deal. Everything I can, I do can be found at fraudcoach.com because I am your fraud coach. Uh, but if you're interested in an individual guide, each of my guides is uh, heavily video-based. So uh, it's me talking you through what to do. I've got worksheets, checklists, all sorts of those kinds of things. And there's materials you can read, but a lot of video, because I think it's easier to see and hear me talk about this topic. The Divorce Money Guide, you can go to divorcemoneyguide.com and there you go. The guide there is $6.97. Uh, we can have a $100 off coupon for your listeners if you like. Uh, oh, I have, think we would love that. All we have to do is uh, have uh, a coupon code of your choosing. Let's do life after MLM and we'll put it okay. in the show notes and we'll tag it all in there. So if you guys are looking at this and you want it and save a hundred bucks. All right. Life after MLM will get you a hundred dollars off the divorce money guide. And if you're looking for the post-divorce money guide, you can find that at cleverly postdivorcemoneyguide.com. Amazing. Tracy, thank you so much for not only being like a trailblazer in the anti-MLM space and paving the way for people like me to also be able to tell our stories and get out and create amazing content going forward. Thank you for being such a wonderful colleague and friend and even mentor in this space. You are Aww. incredible. I hope everybody checks this out. I think this is a really great guide. And this year we are learning about so much more financial literacy and it, it fits perfectly. I want everyone that listens to the show to understand what is going on in their lives, whether it is financial, whether it is mental, whether you're part of a cult, to see those red flags and to make the best decisions for you. Because again, at the end of the day, it is your life and you should be happy. Totally agreed. It's all about education, empowerment, and, you know, making good choices for you, escaping from the uh, damaging mindsets that MLMs have, the shaming that MLMs do, the shunning once you leave, all of that kind of nonsense. And I just, you know, I want people to have better financial futures for themselves. So that's what I'm here for. I absolutely love it. And we appreciate it as well. Thank you so much, Tracy. You are incredible. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast and my advocacy at The Real Roberta Blevins. You can find all of the links to the social accounts in our show notes. And if you just listened to that incredible story and you thought, oh my God, 
I have a story just like that that needs to be told, hit me up, therealrobertablevins at gmail.com. I would love to have you on the show to share your story and start your journey in life after MLM. See you next time, Hans. Thank you.